The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good evening. I'm John Mulholland, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, You saw me on the video earlier. You may have seen me on the video earlier. I don't know what it is about that camera that makes me go insane, Um, but I can't do, uh, like, sit down and record videos. It's just really, really difficult. How many of you are ready for Christmas? Okay, look, okay, everybody look around. You know what day it is, right? For those of you who do not have your hands up, you understand that Christmas is tomorrow, okay? So um, being ready for Christmas at our house looks like, um, well, John and I watched Die Hard today. Um, So how many of you have watched Die Hard or are planning on watching Die Hard as part of your Christmas? Okay, good. Um, You should plan on that. Um, Hey, we're thankful that you're here, and tonight we just want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with you. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. We're going to be reading that in a few minutes, but it's also going to be on our screens, um, on our screens tonight. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, there is an event for, uh, for tonight's uh, Christmas Eve 615, and you can follow along um, in that as well. So over the past few weeks here at Westway Christian Church, we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about how the Old Testament is filled with, with prophecies that are fulfilled by the New Testament. We talked about how the Messiah was foretold. We look back into the Old Testament. Why was this Messiah coming? What was his purpose in coming? What was he going to do? The second week, we talked about how the Messiah was found in Bethlehem and why that mattered. Why was, why was King Herod looking for the Messiah? Why were the shepherds looking for the Messiah? And then last week, Pastor Joe talked about the way the Messiah made people furious. And this is really kind of hard, I think, for us to understand. Like, like why would Jesus make people mad? Even if you don't have a biblical, like a solid Bible background understanding— We think of Jesus as loving people. We think of Jesus as lifting up people who are marginalized. We think of Jesus giving people an identity who maybe aren't often seen by the culture and society of the day. So why would Jesus make people angry? Well, as we talk, the people that Jesus makes angry, King Herod, Jesus made him furious because Herod wanted to cling on to his own power. He wanted to cling to his position. So Jesus makes people furious who would rather cling to themselves, cling to their own desires, cling to their own position, their own preferences, all of those things. And that's honestly a reason today why people are furious with Jesus. Because Jesus challenges us. He challenges our own preferences. He challenges our own understandings. And when we are challenged by him, this makes us furious. And the thing is, Jesus didn't come just to fulfill prophecies. He didn't check all of these boxes, and that's why he was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, because of what he did and because of what he does for us now. See, that's what made Jesus the Messiah. That's why we celebrate him. That's why we worship him. And this is also something that was promised 
by a prophet. And the prophet we're going to talk about tonight is a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in the, in the scheme of things in the Old Testament, Jeremiah was a prophet toward the end of the kingdom, when it was falling apart, when it was failing. Another pastor talks about it when, when Israel is circling the drain. Okay, Israel is ready to be carried off into captivity. And God has, has told the people that their captivity is because of their sinfulness. It's because of their brokenness. But that's not the end of the story. This is Jeremiah 31, 31, 31, 31 to 34. Again, this is going to be on the screen, and I would love for you to follow along with me. It says this, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone. From the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. So I have some really good news for you tonight. We're, we are not waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled. See, almost every other prophecy that we've talked about for the entire month of December has been one looking forward to Jesus doing something, and then, it's, then, then once that prophecy um, is fulfilled, it was only meant for them. But this prophecy is not something that we are waiting for. We are not waiting for this covenant to begin. This prophecy is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. This prophecy, this promise of God's instructions written on our hearts are fulfilled because of Jesus. And there are a couple things I want you to know from this and why this matters to us. I want to tell you what Jesus frees us from. The first thing that Jesus frees us from is looking backward into wishful thinking about the past. Jesus frees us from looking backward into wishful thinking about the past. And here's what I mean. A few weeks ago, I, had, I was having coffee with a friend of mine. And we were talking about how, you know, we look back into the Old Testament and we see all of these interactions and all of these experiences of God. We see God talking to Hagar. We see God speaking to Moses through a burning bush. We see God talking to Hannah, speaking about a son that she is going to have. And here's what we think when we read those Old Testament stories. We think that if God would just talk to me in that way, I would believe. We think that if we were to walk out of this room tonight and walk outside and there was a burning bush there that wasn't consumed and God spoke to us, like we, we think then we would automatically become the most loyal, the most devoted followers of God that have ever existed. And here's reality you wouldn't. 
And the reason I know that is because when we read through the rest of the Old Testament, we see these people who have had these experiences and they don't stay faithful. They don't remain faithful. And what we need to be freed from is this idea, this wishful thinking about the past. Oh, if only God would do this for me. So in Hebrews chapter 11, Christians call this like the, like the hall of faith. It's a list of all of these Old Testament characters who did all of these things by faith. And God was pleased with them, not because of what they did, but because of their faith. And at the end of Hebrews 11, after this big long list of all of these people who have had these amazing encounters with God, Hebrews 11, 39 through 40, this will be on the screen, says this. All these people, that's talking about everyone in Hebrews 11, all these people earned a good reputation of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Here's, here's what this means. We have something as, as people who encounter God through Jesus Christ. We have something as Christians that the people in the Old Testament never had. We have something available to us that the people of the Old Testament never have, what they couldn't have. See, the best the people in the Old Testament could ever really have was a moment of interaction. If you were here with us when we went through the, our Judges series, how many times did we see the phrase, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when that momentary interaction was done, the Spirit was gone. It wasn't that he ceased to exist. It's just they didn't have the kind of relationship. They didn't have the interaction that we have. And what Jesus frees us from is looking back into the past and thinking, if only I had a relationship or an encounter with God like that. But here's another thing that Jesus frees us from. Jesus frees us from thinking that we have gone too far for him to save us. Remember John 3.16? For this is how, I'm going to put this on the screen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Did you catch that word everyone? That means Everyone. It means everyone. Everyone who trusts in Jesus has eternal life. Everyone. And here's the thing. You can't, you can ignore that. You can refuse that offer. You can reject that offer. But here's the thing that I want you to know. You cannot out-sin that offer. And here's what I mean. No matter what thing that you have convinced yourself in your mind that you have done that is so grievous and so incredibly awful, that thing that you tell yourself, well, if you guys only knew, you can't outsend God's grace. He knows 
what you have done. He knew what you were going to do before he went to the cross, and he went to the cross anyway. So Jesus frees us from thinking that we will never be good enough. Because there's a spiritual reality that says that's true, which is why you need Jesus. You cannot out-sin God's grace. You can reject it. You can ignore it. You can refuse it, but you cannot out-sin us. You're not too bad to be received by God. You're not. And here's the third thing that Jesus frees us to do. He frees us to live fully in the Spirit. He frees us to live the life that he's called us to. This is Romans chapter 7, 1 to 6. Again, this is on the screen. Now, dear brothers, you and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. Just what you wanted to hear on Christmas Eve. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Don't miss the point. So dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died to Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. See, here's, here's what Paul is telling the church in Rome. For those of us who are, who are in Christ, for those of us who are coming into Christ, for those of us who are entering into that relationship with Jesus Christ, you do not have to be bound by your sin. But you do have to give it up. You have to die to its power. You have to choose to serve God. But this isn't just something that we have to do. This is something that we get to do. See, we get to give up our sin. We get to give up our preference and our power and our place and position. We get to get rid of all of that. And in response, in exchange, what you receive and what I receive is life in Jesus Christ. We receive the fullness of God in Jesus Christ, when we make that exchange, when we give him our sin. And what happens is the spirit then dwells within us and his words and his law are written on our hearts. And what then happens is we become new people. See, we are freed to be new people, to not be bound by old things, but to live in a new way. And my hope and my prayer for you this Christmas season is that Christmas isn't just a celebration of the arrival of a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago. And I think there are so many things in our culture that that's, like, that's how we want to remember Jesus. So cute, six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus in a manger. Like, oh, let's just reflect on that for a minute. We can 
We should, but Jesus is more than a baby in the manger. He is more than that. He offers us more. And when we accept that, we find hope and we find peace. And we learn to love him and we learn to love others in ways that only his presence can explain. Because some of us have a really hard time getting along with certain people. The only way we get through that is by accessing what's inside of us. And I don't mean that culturally because our culture says, look inside. The answer to all of your problems is just being yourself. It's a lie. The answer to your problems is being who God has made you to be because the Spirit dwells inside of you. That's the resolution to your problems. And we have that presence here with us tonight. We can experience his presence tonight. He is here. For those of us who are followers of Christ, he is present in your heart. He's writing his words on your heart right now, even as we talk about him. One of the ways that we remember that here at Westway Christian Church is we participate in communion together every week as a body when we gather. When you came in, you should have received a little cup with, with a wafer on top and juice. I would encourage you to go ahead and, go ahead and take that out. What we found recently, this would have been nice to know about 15 months ago. The best way to open those, ready for the secret, is you push it all the way down and it breaks. When you hear it pop, then it just opens really easily. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to read a text. We're not going to take communion yet, so, but go ahead, and get that, go ahead and get that ready. I'm going to read Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28 to you. Again, you can follow along. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So I want you to follow along here for a second. Jeremiah talked about this covenant that was coming, that was going to be fulfilled. And we find that fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's confirmed through the work of Jesus on the cross. The covenant is fulfilled. And what I want to so encourage you on, I'm going to invite Becky Jones up. She's going to play a song for us. While she does that, we just want you to take communion when you feel like you're ready. I so want to encourage you that this spirit dwelling inside of you, we're not waiting for this to happen. This isn't a date in the future where this is going to be available to us. This is available to you right now. And I would encourage you, if you, if you want to know what that looks like, I would love to talk to you tonight. I would love for you to come back on Sundays at 10.15, so we can talk about what it looks like to access this power. So Becky's going to play, and just as you feel led when you are ready, take communion. <laughs>